This is week eight in our series, The Renewing of Your Mind. And, you know, this is such an important series. What we're really doing is we're going very deep uh, in the Word of God. And, and what the Spirit of God wants to do in your life is to, He wants to, with the anointing that's upon the Word, renovate your thinking so that you think like God, so that you think in line with his word, because it changes everything in your life. The battlefield in your life, sometimes it seems like it's outward, but it really isn't. It's in your mind. And if Satan can control your mind, control your imagination, he could steal your destiny, but not here, because we're learning these truths in the word of God. Amen? So this is so important. So I want to review a little bit. We've been spending a few weeks. Now this is week eight. We've been spending a few weeks on literally how the soulish realm of you works, right? Remember, you are a spirit, right? You possess a soul which is comprised of your mind, right? Not your brain. Your mind functions through your brain right? Your soul is comprised of your mind, your will, and your emotions. And you live in a physical body, okay? So it's very important when you got born again, guess what? God put a brand new spirit in you. Your spirit is brand new. Satan can't touch it. It's perfect, right? But God said this, you have to make a decision to present your body, this flesh, this earth suit that you're in, still has that old nature in it. It just wants to go off a wrong way. Amen. So the Bible says that you, the spirit man that you are, are to present your body a living and holy sacrifice. And you're to renew or renovate your thinking with God's word. God's word is the only thing that can bring healing, wholeness, salvation to your soul, right? So actually, let's look at that. Go to James chapter 1 real quick. James chapter 1, I want you to see this. Because when you implant the word of God into your spirit, man, into your heart, what happens now is the Holy Spirit will bring revelation of his word to your heart. He will open his word to you. So now you see it on the inside. Your spirit man gains revelation knowledge of it. And then your spirit will translate that into a thought and we call that, and, and communicate that to your mind, we call that the washing of the water of the word. And when the word of God comes into your mind, it renovates it right? So it, it starts out, you implant it in your heart, and then it comes out and it goes into your mind and it will renovate your mind. What does that mean? It will pull out all of that detrimental, all of those detrimental thought processes, all those lies, everything that's not of God that's in there, it will pull it all out and then put brand new stuff in there, a whole new thought process, right? The Bible says, as you renovate your thinking, it transforms your life. Well, what does that mean? To be transformed. The reason why 
our, our, our statement, our purpose statement, our mission statement is reaching people, changing lives. Why do we say changing lives? Because the word of God will change your life, right? The Bible talks about don't be conformed to this world in Romans 12 too, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Transformed. It's the Greek word metamorpho. To be transformed, we see that word other places in the New Testament two other times. One time when Jesus was on the Mount of Transfiguration, the Bible says he was transfigured before them. In other words, who he was on the inside shone on the outside. And it says the glory that came out of him was brighter than the sun. Right? So literally, when we say changing lives, we get that even from Paul's letter to the church at Corinth, where the same word, metamorpho, is translated to change. The Bible says, as we peer in to the word of God, we are changed, metamorphosed. We are changed into the very image of Christ from glory to glory even by the Holy Spirit, the mighty Spirit of God. So this is so important. God wants you, see, his will for your life is that you be fashioned like unto Jesus. So look at this, James chapter 1, real quick. Verse 21, James tells us here, under the inspiration, this is God-breathed. James wrote it, Pastor James, Jesus' half-brother, Right? He says, wherefore, lay apart all filthiness, and if you have a King James Bible, I apologize, superfluity of naughtiness. Could you imagine? Wow, that's a mouthful. Basically, lay aside all the junk, all the sin, all the wickedness, lay it all aside. Isn't that good news? You have the ability to lay it all aside. Have you ever been bound by anything? You feel like you don't have that ability, but you do. You're so strong, you have no idea. Because to measure your strength in God, you have to measure how strong he is because we're never to be strong in ourselves. we're to be strong in him. Right? And it says here, we lay this stuff aside and then we receive with meekness. We receive meekness. It means in the Greek language, be teachable and be humble. Receive with meekness the engrafted word. That word engrafted means the word that's implanted. Implanted where? It's implanted in your spirit. So why do you confess God's word? You confess the word of God to get it in your spirit, right? And then, number two, you confess the word of God because it's in your spirit in abundance, and now it will come out of your spirit. But it says here, this implanted word is able to save your soul. So what is your soul? Your mind, your will, and your emotions. Right? We talked a lot about these things. This word save means to make whole, to heal. Wouldn't it be nice that your emotions never were twisted up to where they made you feel 
like something's happening that's really not happening, right? I, I mean, we have to be so careful in these areas, but it's the word of God that's able to do that. So now we said this, the battleground of the mind, this is a review, has three levels of mental activity. You have, I, I, hope, I hope that you get so tired of hearing me say that. Come on. Right? The first level of mental activity is thoughts. It's the way God made your mind. The second level of mental activity is imaginations. The third level is, and, and this is the enemy's work, a stronghold. As you grow in the Lord, God doesn't build a stronghold in your mind. A stronghold would be an en enemy fortress. It's an enemy prison. It's a work of darkness. That would be the third level of mental activity. Satan wants you to live. He wants you with your mouth to speak his words of death so that you build a prison that takes you captive. So thoughts, imaginations, strongholds. So here's how it works. When you begin to ponder, to think about, ultimately to speak a thought that has hit your mind, what happens? When you, when you begin to ponder, think about it, and then you start speaking this thought, that's not from, that's not from God, it's from the enemy, what happens is you will start to isolate that thought in your mind. Now, this is the way it always works. And you will begin to build a mental image in your imagination of you living this way. Walk around saying you're stupid. Well, I'm just stupid. I'm just stupid. I'm just stupid. After a while, guess what? Hello. You will start literally seeing on the inside of you that you're never smart enough. In other words, now it might not be that you're never smart enough. It might come out in, I never know what to do. I always, because I just don't, I just never make the right decision, right? And then Satan will have a whole list. You know, when I was three years old, I didn't make the right decision. I shouldn't have ate that cookie, right? Then, then here, I shouldn't have done this and I shouldn't have done that. And pretty soon, you're, you're paralyzed in fear because it's like, I can't make any more decisions because I'm going to make stupid decisions because I'm stupid. Your imagination will drive that. So you have thoughts that you think about, you ponder them, you start to take them by speaking them. And what happens is your mind then isolates that thought and starts to build a mental image in your imagination of you living this way. If you're dealing with sickness or disease, the enemy will throw thought after thought after thought after thought. Especially the older you get. Well, you know, you just, as you get older, come on. I mean, your knees wear out, your hips wear out. You know, and then you've had, you've had some injuries and you've done some stupid things. So you just have to, I mean, it's just the way it is. You just got to be in pain and you need to be, right? And, and, and if you start taking those thoughts, because what does God say about it? 
No, the path of the righteous is one of increase. Right? The Bible says Jesus bore our sickness, carried our pain, so we don't have to. With his stripes, we were healed. So, but if you start, if you start speaking that, man, you know, my, my right knee is just always hurting, or, or my back, you know, I just, and, the, and then, man, I had an MRI, and this is what's going on, and, you know, and all this stuff, and you start speaking this, your mind will start building a mental image in your imagination, and you will start to see that you always have this condition. And all of a sudden, you'll start to sit there and even, even compromise. You know, those of you who hear that God's a healer, Satan will still get you to compromise. Well, okay, you know what? Cancer and some of these things, yeah, he's your healer, but you know, that wrist that's been just kind of bothering you for 40 years, come on, that's just, that's no big deal. It is a big deal. Because Satan never stops. Reject that runny nose. Right? When you cough and, or you wake up and your throat hurts, say, I reject that. I've been healed by, the, right? You have to do that. Otherwise, you will begin to build an imagination and you'll start to see yourself living your life contrary to the word of God. And now, remember, your behavior comes out of your imagination. So now, these demonic powers that are assigned to you, Satan himself, right, who have been defeated, they're completely stripped of all authority. They're, they're watching your mouth and they're watching your actions to see, hmm, is there a vain imagination going on in that person? And if they think that based on what you're saying or the way you're acting, if they're seeing it, then what they will do is they will go into this earth realm and they will try to use people, circumstances, to create opportunities for you to continue in this behavior. Why? Because as you continue speaking, as you continue in the behavior, you are building the third level. You are building with your own mouth and your own actions, you're building a prison that takes you captive. Right? There's programs out there that, that you know, have helped some people, but you know what? Guess what? I'm not going to go to a meeting every week and stand up and say, hi, my name's Tony. I am an alcoholic. That's not Bible. No, no, that, that means literally as I put the drink down, hi, my name is Tony, and I've been made free by the blood of Jesus, and I am free from alcohol. And as I keep speaking that, and as I get the word of God, and as I keep implanting it in my heart, what will happen? I'll begin to ponder that and imagine that, and pretty soon I will begin to start seeing myself living free from alcohol, and my behavior will come out of that imagination and I'll just walk free from it. Yes. That's how it works. So this is huge. This mental image in your imagination will eventually produce, remember this, it will produce a desire, right, which ultimately will produce a behavior. 
All your behaviors flow out of your imagination and they all flow from your desires. So that's why God says, delight yourself in the word of God, in the law, in the word of God, and I'll give you the desires of your heart, real godly desires, because God knows that desires produce behavior. And that's why, this is, this is a teaching on faith, right? Because what you hear is what you're going to believe. This is Romans chapter 10. What you believe is what you're going to act on and speak, and you're going to have whatever you say, right? Satan knows this. That's why we have to know how this works. Strongholds are manifested outwardly. We said this, in bad habits and addictive and compulsive behavior. If you see, if you have a bad habit in your life, I hope tonight you don't blow it off. I don't care what it is, right? It could just be idle talk. Be careful because it, it could be a stronghold and God does not want any strongholds in your mind. There's none. He wants you free from all of them, right? This is huge. Any addictive behavior, it's, that's an outward showing that you have a stronghold. Now remember, we're Christians. We don't walk around judging other people by what we see in their life, right? I mean, I don't know about you, the Bible's real clear. This is New Testament. Judge not, lest you be judged. I don't know about you, I'm all about not being judged, right? I'm all about mercy, don't want justice, right? If I mess up, I, don't, I want mercy. So we work out our own salvation, right? And man, your whole life is to be, we help each other by encouraging each other, by ministering grace with our words to each other. We, we, we help each other by, as we walk through things, we just give people our fruit. Hey, this is what God did for me, Hello. right? You have somebody that's just in day one of this battle, and you're like, hey, I've got good news. I've walked through this. And you know, and this is kind of how I messed up. I was trying to figure it out for many, for a long time. And then I realized one day, oh, wait a minute. No, 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 no. This is not for me to overcome. This is, this is, I overcome how? By the blood of the lamb and just simply the word of my testimony. Right? So this is big. And remember, a stronghold is defined as an enemy fortification. God doesn't build strongholds in you. He is your high tower. He is your inaccessible place of refuge. But he wants your mind to be renewed with his word. Got it? So, strongholds are going to be the first arena that you're going to have to deal with, right? I'm telling you, if there's a stronghold in your life, the Holy Spirit's going to want you to deal with it. When a vain imagination has progressed into a stronghold, what happens now? What happens if I have a stronghold? Because it's an enemy fortification. It's like a prison. 
Well, I've got good news for you. The anointing of God doesn't break a stronghold. It destroys it. It vaporizes it. It completely pulls the strongholds down. Go back and listen to some of the stuff because we went into some scriptures on this. Huge. The anointing, what it, who, you can't really say what is the anointing because you have to say who is the anointing. The anointing is literally the manifest presence of the Holy Spirit. So you have an anointing within you. Why? Because the Holy Spirit's there. If you've received the baptism in the Holy Spirit, and if you haven't, you need him right now, tonight. Talk to Pastor Edwin or come down here for prayer afterwards. Don't leave here without that. Because the anointing also, he wants the anointing upon you. Right? How God anointed Jesus with Nazareth, with the Holy Ghost, even with power, who went about doing good. You need, you need the power. That anointing will destroy yokes. So the anointing, which is the manifest presence of the Holy Spirit. Now, wait, Pastor, I thought the anointing was upon the Word. It is. What is who does the Holy Spirit testify of? The Word. The word. Who is the Word? Hello. Jesus, the anointed one. Right? The anointing of the Holy Spirit is the anointing that is on the word. He's the one that reveals the word. And when the word is revealed to you, the anointing destroys the yoke. It lifts the burden. It destroys the yoke of bondage. It destroys the stronghold. So how is it administered? How is the anointing administered? You know, it could be administered by the laying on of hands, right? It could be administered through one of the nine gifts of the Spirit. That is severally as the Holy Spirit wills. And we said this, a big way that is, it is administered is through worship. Is through you and I being thankful and living a life of thanksgiving. Tonight, corporate worship, while we are opening our hearts and passionately pursuing the presence of God, Worship happens when he responds and that anointing will come in times of worship and destroy strongholds. That's why you have a lot of people that like to sing songs and they're so used to entertainment. Listen, worship's not entertainment. Come on. Yes, it is. It feels good from the inside out. I mean, it's so powerful. But we're talking when you start declaring and being thankful Right, You start walking around saying, Lord Jesus, I thank you so much for salvation because whoever the Son hath made free is free. I just thank you today for freedom. I thank you I'm free from everything that could bind me. You just start doing that. There is an anointing that is upon the Word of God. The Spirit of God brings it and it vaporizes the stronghold and you're free. Have you ever walked free from something? It's almost funny, isn't it? Because you deal with it for years. And then all of a sudden, in a moment of time, you're just free. And you kind of go back, you, you look at it and go, wow, I'm, have, now has this just happened to me? You look back and go, man, I worked so hard for a long time to try to get free. And I'm just, 
I can't take any credit for it. I'm just free. But what happened is what happened is you just got a revelation knowledge of what his word is, that his word's true, that you were free even when you thought you were bound. Now you just know you're free. And once you know you're free, I mean, that's why the Lord told me years ago, listen, when a lie is exposed, it loses all of its power. And it's almost like you look back and go, I know that, I know I did that, or I know that happened to me, but I can't feel the way I felt when that happened or when I did that anymore, because I'm just free. If it's still eating your lunch, you're free, you just don't know it yet. So you just keep thanking God. You keep worshiping him. You live a life of thanksgiving. It's so very, very important. Isaiah 10, 27 says this, and it shall come to pass in that day that his burden shall be taken away from off thy shoulder and his yoke from off thy neck and the yoke shall be destroyed because of the anointing. The anointing of God must be applied. Why? So that you can begin to control your own imagination. God, in other words, see Satan, okay, now you've got to get this. This isn't taught. Might be the first time you hear this. Satan will try to get you to talk his words of death so that you see that inside of you in your imagination so that he could get you to build with your mouth a stronghold. But God will literally bring revelation of his word to your heart and if he can get you believing it and speaking it, guess what? The, yoke, the, the anointing which is from the word of God and the Holy Spirit, how does, it, how does it work in your life? Through your words, destroy the yoke of bondage. This is so important. See, that's why you have to speak the word of God. What are you saying, pastor? Are you saying that I can obliterate the stronghold in my own life? Yeah, it kind of says it this way in Mark 11. You'll have what you say. Why is that? Because when you speak the word of God that's coming out of your heart of revelation knowledge, when you speak it, what happens? The presence of Almighty God in the person of the Holy Spirit comes in and that anointing destroys the yoke. That's why God told Joshua, listen, just meditate in my word day and night so that you could observe to do all that's written in it. And then, Josh, you will make your way prosperous. Why? Because it's his words. Moses made his way prosperous across the Red Sea. Right? He, he obeyed God. His thing was to use the staff. And when he used the staff, it says that God parted the Red Sea. When you use your mouth and speak the word of God, God moves and destroys the yoke of bondage. Are we teaching on the renewing of the mind or are we teaching on walking by faith? Whatever you want to call it, it's all the same thing. 
So simple. So simple. Hallelujah. Praise and worship is to be a time that is set aside specifically to give God glory and to thank him for what he has done. Praise and worship is one of the most powerful opportunities for you and I to cast down imaginations and everything that exalts itself against the knowledge of God. I want to be free. I want to walk in freedom. So I'm going to lift my hands. I'm going to thank him and praise him for what he's done for me because I know that those, those words going out are destroying things. It's helping me control my imagination so that I could walk out God's plan for my life. We must seize the moment during praise and worship to exercise proper control of our soul. What? You mean it's not enough for me to come in at the end of worship? Listen, here's the cool thing about two services. If you get up late and you come in halfway through worship, that's all right. Come in and hook up and start worshiping. And then all you got to do is just stay for a few minutes and go through worship again and then leave. Right? You won't have to deal with two offerings. You won't have to deal with two messages. But man, that worship will help you. Sometimes it might even help you. You worship, you hear the word, and then you come and seal it with worship. Just a thought, but I'm telling you, when you study worship, it helps you control your soul. And we all need to do that. See, when you, when you, we must seize the moment during praise and worship to exercise proper control of our soul. When we do, our imagination is supernaturally freed to build a picture of our life as God defines it. For some, when they're lifting their hands, all of a sudden, in their imagination, they start to see themselves well. They start to see themselves provided for and walking in abundance, and they start to see their marriage healed. They start to see their kids free so that they're not beat up by that emotion, that imagination that the enemy's just throwing thoughts to try to get you to take them. Are you starting to get the fact that you have authority in your life? That the only reason why Satan steals, kills, and destroys from a Christian is because he gets them to take his thoughts and start to ponder them, start to think them, start to speak them so that they could build a mental image in their imagination which produces a desire for them to speak a certain way, act a certain way that's contrary to the word so that a behavior comes out of it. And then, man, when that behavior keeps going, now we got a stronghold. But I'm telling you, we know this now. Well, I would encourage you, just this little thing on how your soul works, learn it. Because when you disciple people, you got to tell them. Because I'm telling you, all, have you noticed, all hell is breaking loose in the earth. 
Do you know when that started? It didn't start in 2020. It started in the garden. And it's been going full throttle the whole time and will continue to do it. It seems louder because of technology. But it's the same thing. Turn off all technology and you will be sitting in your home at night and you'll notice how many stupid thoughts the enemy's still trying to throw in your mind. He comes the same way down one road in our mind. So let's look at this. Giving thanks well. So you ready? That by the preview, man. Or the, the, that was a review. What in the world happened to the time? I can't wait till we step out of time. Don't even come to a Bible study that I teach in the millennium or beyond, man. You think about it, you won't get hungry, you won't get tired. Wow. It won't ever get dark. You know, like say when you, I've never been to Las Vegas, but they say when you go there, they've created an environment where you kind of lose sense of time because it's always bright, I guess, or whatever. <laughs> all right, 1 Corinthians chapter 14. I think we're all getting something out of this. 1 Corinthians chapter 14, verse 14. Let's talk about how to give thanks well. Remember, we taught a whole series on Thanksgiving how that it puts things in motion. It literally connects you to miracles, a life of thanksgiving. I'm telling you, if you have a lot of bad stuff going on in your life tonight, find some good things. Here's one good thing, you're breathing. So you could still walk in victory, right? Yeah, but the doctor told me today there's nothing they could do. I've got to die. Well, I'm here to tell you God says you don't have to die. And you could stand up and say, I will not die, but I'll live and declare the works of the Lord. And when you speak that enough, all of a sudden you'll start seeing that on the inside of you. And all of a sudden as you're speaking it, the anointing of God will be on it and destroy, drive out the sickness, drive out the disease, Right? 1 Corinthians 14, 14, it says this, For if I pray in an unknown tongue, my spirit prays, but my understanding is unfruitful. This is talking about a person who receives the baptism in the Holy Spirit, you get a prayer language. Yes. This isn't the gift of tongues. When we moved to Omaha, I couldn't believe everybody's going, well, you know, God just hasn't given me that gift. No, 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 we're not talking about the gift of tongues. Everybody who receives the baptism in the Holy Spirit, you get a prayer language. But this is how it works. The Amplified Bible says, my spirit by the Holy Spirit within me prays. So what happens is the Holy Spirit gives my spirit utterance. My mind, it's real weird to me for a little bit. Because it's the first time my tongue is not being controlled by my mind. Now my tongue's being controlled by my spirit. Yeah, but pastor, I tried that and it sound, it's me. Well, it is you. The Holy Spirit is giving you utterance and then you're speaking it out. But look at this. But it says my understanding is unfruitful. Well, this just doesn't feel natural. Yeah. Because your understanding is unfruitful right? This is talking about the private use of tongues as the believer just communes with God. Verse 15, 
What is it then? I will pray with the Spirit, and I will pray with the understanding also. I will sing with the Spirit, and I will sing with the understanding also. So let me make it real plain. I will pray with the Spirit, and I will pray in English. That's, that's understanding. I'll, I'll pray in the Spirit in my unknown tongue, or, and I'll also pray in English. To be honest with you, if you get around me in my personal prayer life, I always start off in tongues because why? It's spelled right out, right out in Romans. Our weakness as believers is we don't always know how to pray. Right? I mean, you pray for somebody, you think you might know, but God knows. So man, you pray in an unknown tongue and all of a sudden something will get communicated to your mind and you're like, okay, I'll start going down this way. And then you start praying in English down this way and then pretty soon you kind of hit the end of that and you're like, okay, and then you go back in tongues and, and you're, you're praying. And what are you praying? See, the Holy Spirit is giving you utterance. Guess what? The Holy Spirit knows everything. Even if you're praying for yourself, as we're all here tonight, I can guarantee you, you may think you know what you need, but he really knows. And if you're not careful, you'll be over here working on something that looks real bad, but he's going, no, forget about that. Work over here on this. Just give this to me, and it's going to take care of that. He knows exactly what you need. So I'll pray with the Spirit, and I'll pray in my natural language also. I'll sing with the Spirit, and I will sing with the nat my natural language also. Else, when you bless with the Spirit, how shall he that occupies the room of the unlearned say amen at your giving of thanks? Seeing he, not, he understands not what you're saying. If you'll notice... You're never going to see me get up here and, and, and preach in tongues. Could you imagine? You'd be sitting there going, what? What is wrong with our pastor? Right? Have you ever had somebody just come up and just, you can tell they're ripping you up one side and down another. Oh, man, I was in the Korean district in New York City years ago on business and oh my gosh this business owner that we did business with this man started ripping me up one side i could tell because i mean he's beat red yelling in my face in in korean and do you know i mean i'm standing there listening to this guy the words see there was no understanding they couldn't open. The words are containers. They contain thoughts. It's the thoughts that get you. But if it's not in English, you're like, I, I mean, I told the guy, I'm like, you know, I have no idea what you're saying, right? Finally, I looked at my sales rep, and I'm like, you know what? This meeting's over. Just tell them that we're never doing business with them again. And I said, I just started walking out. Miraculously, the man began to speak in English, and we were able to work some stuff out. But, you know, when he was ripping me up once, I, and, you know, I never asked him to tell me what he said to me. 
if I ever heard curse words in Korean, I'd probably be like, ooh, wow, yeah, that might have been one of those, you know, right? No, no, see, in an unknown tongue, you don't, words aren't communicated if you don't, if you don't understand what they are. But see, what's happening is the Holy Spirit, because this is a word planet, and he gives you utterance, when you are praying in another tongue, you are praying the perfect will of God. For you, for someone else, I mean, think about that, because when you put that into 1 John chapter 5, if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us, and if we know that he hears us, we know we have the petition we ask of him. So this, this is interesting. Look at verse 17. This is, what I, this is why we're looking at this passage of scripture. This isn't a series on tongues. This is a series on renewing your mind. Worship will help you control and take care of vain imaginations. It'll help you control your soul. Because look at this. For you verily, that means most assuredly, give thanks well. But the other's not edified. Talking about the, if you're, if, if, see, if you ever, if you were ever listening to me in worship, do you know I'm not always singing in English? Sometimes I don't even know. I'm just, I'm, I'm, I'm just speaking in tongues. Do you know while I'm doing that, I get direction for a service? God talks to me about things I need to do in my life. God, sometimes gifts of the Spirit. Words of knowledge will come to me, right? How often do I have tongues and interpretation? Every service. How often do I give them? Hardly ever. Why would I give them? Because he wants me to. Sometimes I get a tongue and then I think I'm just giving thanks. Well, I don't know. But then all of a sudden I'll get an interpretation and it's like, oh, wow. I just get it, and I, I, you know, I know, now I know how to pray, I know how to move. This is all part of it, but the giving thanks well is what I want you to see. Praying in the Spirit. I'm telling you, sometimes, have you ever gotten so beaten down, the thoughts are going, you have no control of your soul, and now you're hearing, well, I need to just, thanksgiving will help me. Sometimes, have you ever noticed, you just can't get there right now. So what do you do? You just lift up your hands, start praying in your prayer language. Pretty soon, I mean, just saying that in English, it's starting to come on me right now. You could live a life of thanksgiving. And I'm telling you, it'll, it'll impact your soul. It'll impact your soul. Verse 18 I thank my God I speak with tongues more than you all. That means more than you all together. Now, if you're kind of a freak like me and a numbers guy, you would probably at one point in your life, like me, looked at the Apostle Paul on his three missionary journeys, figured out how far you walk, how long it takes you to walk a mile, and then calculate how many miles he would have walked, because it tells us where he went. And you would come to the conclusion, oh my gosh, I know how he spoke in tongues more than all the church at Corinth put together because he walked over half of his ministry. And guess what he was doing when he was walking? Speaking in tongues, probably. Right? Don't you do that? Sometimes you find yourself, somebody's sitting next to you at a light. 
It's not so bad in the winter because your windows are up and if your windows are tinted like mine, it's not a big deal. But in the summer, your windows are down and you're just kind of, uh, and, and the person kind of looks at you. It's not so bad anymore because people think, oh, they're just talking on their phone. Yeah. Right? It's wonderful. I could, wear an, I, I could wear an earbud. I could go, well, I've done this accidentally in Hawaii. Sometimes you get out in the water and you're like, oh, shoot, I got this in my ear. But sometimes it's kind of good that it's there. Because then people just think you might be talking. You're kind of, you could hold your phone and just kind of talk, and you're speaking in tongues the whole time. It's kind of cool. They, although the world's kind of so crazy. Listen, people, people aren't paying attention to you. Don't worry what people think. They're up to here with them, right? They're not thinking much of you, right? So we give thanks well. I really want you to see that. Verse 17, for you verily, Give thanks well. So during those times, you really want to thank God. And words in English seem so shallow. You can express your heart through praising and worshiping him in the spirit. If you've never done it, I will tell you, it will feel uncomfortable for a little while. And I'm talking a real little while. Because pretty soon, it will just, you just know. You're just connected. And there's power. And there's things happening that you have no idea of that it's happening. And the enemy hates it. That's why he comes against this baptism in the Holy Spirit thing. He can't stand tongues because he doesn't know what you're saying, but he knows you're speaking the perfect will of God, and he doesn't want that. He knows it'll give you control of your soulish realm. He knows that it'll pray things out that'll impact your life and other people's lives. The impact of this is immediate. So if your thinking is confused, and when your thinking's confused, what it produces It'll produce torment, oppression, and, dep- and it could even go into depression. When your thinking is confused, that's where all of this starts. When your thinking is confused, do you know some believers are walking through their life today thinking that, okay, I'm facing this in my life, but did God just bring this to teach me? Is this just my lot in life? They haven't heard the word of God to where they know, no, 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 every good and perfect gift comes from above. The enemy's the one who's coming to steal, kill, and destroy. There are believers that don't even know who the enemy is. But in our circles, we know who the enemy is, but what we do is we we don't spend enough time to get revelation knowledge of the word. We think that if we're talking about the word, we're a doer. No. We think sometimes as ministers, man, if I'm preaching the word, well, of course. No, no, preaching doesn't mean you're a doer. Being able to quote the scripture doesn't mean you're a doer. And only the doer's blessed. See, that's our deal. So this will help you, help you tremendously. The primary remedy if your thinking's confused, and have you ever had that where you're just being tormented? You're laying on your bed and it's like a machine gun of thoughts. It's confusing, it's tormenting. You, you, you could get to where you feel hopeless. Listen, 
the primary remedy. I'm telling you, you can stop the confusion, the torment, the depression. You can stop it instantly. How? By being thankful and giving glory to God. Next time that you're in one of these situations, could be tonight, right? Because, I mean, Satan's going to come and try to steal this word. He hates this kind of teaching. And to that, I'm like, I, I will never tell him to get over himself because I don't want him to, right? I just can't wait till that day. Like, we went and saw Joe Morris Sunday night in Oakland, and Joe Morris is saying, man, I'm going to be the guy when, when, when Satan's bound for that thousand years in the abyss, he's gonna be, I'm going to be the guy at the top of it going, hey, how you doing down there, loser, right? <laughs> we love people, but we don't love him. The primary remedy is to be thankful, give glory to God. One way to do this is to pray in the Spirit. Praying in the Spirit Write this down. It eradicates vain imaginations. This is big. Prayer and worship in the Spirit, it eradicates vain imaginations. It keeps you connected to the anointing of God. And it makes you super responsive or I should say it correctly, supernaturally responsive to the word of God. All of a sudden, you're so sensitive to the word. And I mean, it's, it's, it just brings clarity to everything. Boy, English just isn't doing it. So we got to be careful with thought selection, right? Matthew 6.31, take no thought. How? Saying. You take a thought when you speak it, Right? You don't take a thought and begin to build an imagination with it until you put words to it. This is very big. You will not build an imagination with a thought until you put words to it. So that's why we let our heart tell us what to say. I don't let my flesh tell me what to say. Because I understand that these principalities and powers, Satan, all these things, they, they, they can't read my mind, right? They, they don't, they're looking, they're listening, they're looking at me. And all I, wanna, I, all I want them to hear is, I know who I am in Christ, and I, ho I know who you are, and you have absolute no authority over my life, and I have absolute mastery over you, and nothing that you could ever try to do to me will hurt me. That's Luke 10, 19, right? See, man, okay, here's another big thing with the renewing of the mind. Let's shift again. But here's the next thing I gotta talk to you about. This is something the Lord said to me years ago, and it kind of rocked my world until I started looking at the word of God in it. Man, and I've said this before here, but I think it's been a while. Man was not created to have original thought. When the Lord said that to me, I'm like, so does that mean I'm a robot? Right? My flesh said, so does that mean I'm a robot? 
My spirit was down there going, well, yeah, I know that's true because God just said it, right? (laughs) Matthew 4.4, look at what Jesus said when he was tempted in the wilderness. When, When the enemy came to him and said, hey, you haven't eaten for 40 days, starvation has kicked in, Jesus, just comm- if, if you be the Son of God, just command that these stones be made bread, yeah. right? If you are the Son of God, well, Jesus responded, but he answered and said, what did he say? It is written. He quotes Deuteronomy 8.3. Man shall not live by bread alone, but Deuteronomy 8.3 really says it, but man shall live by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. Psalm 27.8 gives us a picture of this. Psalm 27.8 says this, when you said, seek my face. So in other words, when God, the psalmist is saying, God, when you said, for me to seek your face, my heart responded. My heart said unto you, thy face, Lord, will I seek. So let me, let me just look, look at the Trinity. The Son of God, Jesus, the creator of all the universe, when he was on this earth, he said, I only say what I hear my father say. And then when he was going to heaven, he said, guys, I'm going to heaven. Where I'm going, you can't come right now. But listen, don't worry about that. I'm going I'm to go to go to my father, and then he's going to send you another comforter, the Holy Spirit. Another, that's the Greek word allos. It means that's one who is exactly like me. And what did the Holy Spirit say? What is it said of him? He will not speak of himself. But what he hears from the head of the church, from Jesus, that's what he's going to speak. So in other words, the Holy Spirit only speaks what he hears Jesus say. Jesus only speaks what he hears the Father say. So don't have a problem with this original thought stuff. Man doesn't live by bread only, but we live. We have Zoe life by living by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. Joshua chapter 1, verse 8, first part of it, it says, This book of the law shall not depart out of your mouth. So God is giving Joshua instructions to take the children of Israel in to obtain their inheritance. Right? And the first thing he says This book of the law shall not depart out of your mouth, Joshua. He would say to you and I today, my word is to never depart out of your mouth. That means his word is always to be in your mouth. So if his word is always in your mouth, could you ever say, well, I'm just weak? No, you can't, because he says, be strong in the Lord. You can't say, well, I just can't do that. Because his word says you can do all things through Christ. So you would have to let his word depart out of your mouth in order to say some of that crazy stuff. Right? The way you cast down thoughts 
and exercise your imagination in the way God intends is by putting his word in your mouth. The main reason you put the word of God in your mouth is so that you can hear what you are saying so that faith is birthed. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Well, what do you mean? What do you hear? You need to hear yourself saying the word. We never preach this, but that's how you hear. Right? I mean, you can listen to me preach, and, and it'll help you learn some things. It'll equip you, and it'll do some things. But man, if you start taking some of these scriptures, and you start leaving here and start speaking them, it will change your life. Right? But thou shalt meditate therein day and night. Okay, great. Only two times a day. Day and night. But you shall meditate therein. You'll meditate in my words day and night. See, your behavior must correspond with your faith. You must fill your mind with thoughts that are consistent with God's plan and purpose for your life. This will keep vain imaginations from forming. That's why God told Joshua this. You build a scenario of your life based on the word of God. So let's keep going. This book of the law shall not depart out of your mouth, but you'll meditate therein day and night that you may observe to do or observe yourself doing according to all that is written therein, for then you shall make your way prosperous and you shall have good success. This is a result of doing the above, right? So in summary, what do you do? You take thoughts as you speak them. Your words will begin to build an imagination that will produce a desire that will ultimately produce a behavior. Your wrong behavior, if you keep doing it, will build a stronghold in your life. But when you speak the word of God and meditate on God's thoughts, you're casting down all these vain imaginations, right? You're building a platform for your behavior to align with God's purposes for your life. That is how you renovate your thinking. Is it, is it becoming a little more clear? I'm telling you, as you keep coming to this, you're just gonna become more aware that, wow, when I read the Bible, I could have everything that it says that God really is who he says he is that I am really been I've been given what he said I've been given isn't that amazing all things now are possible I don't have to be broke and in lack anymore I don't have to be fearful of my future anymore I don't I know that whatever sickness and disease that's in my body it's got to leave that's what we're talking about here because God loves you so much amen